that person's going to have a very big salary. So it's, it's, it is a lot of expenses. Yes. Now, so is local Monero facing all these same expenses and compliance constraints? Not, not at the moment because we're not regulated in the same way that local bitcoins was regulated. Mm-hmm. So we're just a peer to peer trading platform where there's, it's just a forum to buy and sell for people and the, the trades are settled in a non-custodial way. Whereas local bitcoins has or had rather a different system and they operate under a different jurisdiction, obviously. So for now, at least we don't face the same compliance costs. Now that, that may change in the future, of course. And if that does change in the future, well, we'll pr- we're probably also going to have to shut down. Yeah, I-, I can certainly see that happening. This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. And by Stealth EX, an instant exchange where privacy is the top concern. Go to StealthEX.io to instantly exchange between Monero and 450 plus assets without having to create an account or register and with no limits. Making Stealth EX a simple way to purchase Monero with crypto anonymously. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever. By typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman interviews Alex of Local Monero, the peer-to-peer Monero trading platform. The two discuss why local Bitcoin shut down, what the issue was with their business model, the advantages and benefits of using local Monero, bringing back Monero meetups, shotgun KYC, and overall a very thorough explanation of how local Monero works and how to get started using it to obtain Monero without KYC. Monero Talk starts now. Alex. Doug. Welcome to Monero Talk yet again. Thank you. It's great to be back. Yeah, man. How many times have you been on the show? At least I know at least once, but I think it's been multiple. Well, you've been on Monero Topia too, right? There's there's been multiple occasions. I think uh I've been on your show like way back in twenty eighteen, uh when you launched it. And then I came back on 2019 when we launched Agrodesk. Right. Okay. And then you invited me on Monerotopia once, uh, not that uh, long ago, actually. Uh, and uh, this is the third time I'm on Monero Talk. That's right. Damn. It's been a, it's been a long haul. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, five, five and a half years, I guess, at this point. So how's, how's it been going, man? With local Monero, I mean... Uh, we, we saw what happened with local Bitcoins. They they shut down. Um, it seemed like they were saying it was because of the bear market. Uh, I know I talked to you offline. You were saying that you know it hasn't been the easiest of times with the bear market. So so how are things going? Right. So the sort of the the going public um, perception of the local Bitcoins shutdown is that the the reason that they gave. And, and, you know, the reason that they gave is, is, um, is financial troubles that, that it's no longer financially viable for them to continue with the business. 
And a lot of people took that and thought that this was just an excuse that they gave and that the real reason was that they had some kind of pressure on them to shut down and everything. Um, I mean, you know, one can never all fully exclude that possibility. However, I believe that we should take them at their word because um, I can personally attest that this has been a, a brutal um a brutal bear market that that uh, maybe it's over maybe it's not i'm not gonna like you know some days it feels like it's over <laughs> other days it feels like it's gonna get worse so I, I at this point it's hard for me to say if it's over or not uh but for local bitcoins um i think about 30 percent of their market was in russia uh and oh wow they they had to close down the Russian segment completely after the war started because of the sanctions regime. So like, uh, it's it's a Finnish company and and you know they have their own regulations in Finland that they needed to follow. And of course, in order to follow those regulations, you need to hire a lot of staff to manage the compliance work and everything. And when you're hiring staff in Finland. Uh, there's a lot of taxes associated with with maintaining all that staff, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you have, I don't know, a dozen, maybe two dozen compliance professionals in your company. Compliance professionals are not cheap. They're, they're legally trained. Well, I mean, most of them are. And they demand legally trained person salaries. And you combine that with a relatively high tax regime that Finland has. It's not the worst in the EU, uh, but it's pretty, it's pretty bad. So let's say you have about 50% of your um, operating income that goes to, to various tax expenses. Okay. And, and then you have a bunch of, um, you know, personnel that you need to upkeep. You need to, I assume, have them be at an office in Finland. Office space in Finland, I assume is not cheap. Um, and then, you know, you're you're operating under relatively thin margins in 2022, and then, well, I, I'm I'm assuming it's relatively thin margins. Uh, and then, you know, February happens, the war starts, and uh, a month later, you have to cut off 30% of your user base, and who knows how many percent of the volume, the transaction volume. Uh, so. You know, if if your if your margin is less than thirty percent, your profit margin, mm -hmm. well, then you you're you're now uh you're now going bankrupt slowly. You're you're bleeding money, mm -hmm. and they've they've been in this state for the entirety of twenty twenty two, right? And they only shut down uh, now in, in uh, what was it February of uh, twenty twenty three? Yeah, it was just like yeah, within the past month, I think it happened. Yeah, yeah the past month. So. Almost uh, exactly a year after the war started, I guess. Um, so they they basically tried. Well, the way I'm reading the situation is they basically tried to hang on for a year, um, and they gave up. The you know the, they're not getting the Russian segment back anytime soon. That's I think pretty clear. Maybe they were hoping for a quick resolution of the mm -hmm. war, and then they can turn the Russian segment back on. Uh, but that's obviously not going to happen. Um, I mean, the war might end tomorrow. You know, someone might poison the Russian president or something like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can't 
base your business plan upon the president of Russia being poisoned tomorrow. So you have to deal with the reality that this might go on for a long time and you're not going to get that market share back for a long time. So, you know, if you're bleeding money, I can see why they shut down. Yeah. Yeah. When you put it that way, it's <laughs> it starts to add up. Um, so you think, you think they have that big of an expense for compliance, huh? Well, on their website, I checked. Uh, they said they have, I think, uh, 50 employees, if I remember correctly. Now, I assume that page wasn't updated since like 2019, so they probably have more than 50 um, at the time of, you know, prior to shutting down. And yeah, I mean, you need a lot of compliance professionals to deal with with all the compliance costs. It's it's uh, and it's like different levels. You have like the the uh, forward facing staff, which which is like at the at the lowest level that that handle the uh, the KYC and, and verification. Then you have the higher level staff that is like risk management and has to go through a bunch of data and correlate this with that. Uh, people that review the the decisions of those staff. You have someone that directly reports to some regulatory authority. That's probably going to be the highest like ranking of the compliance officers, and that person's going to have a very big salary. So it's it's it is a lot of expenses. Yes. Now, so is local Monero facing all these same expenses and compliance constraints? Not not at the moment because we're not regulated in the same way that local Bitcoins was regulated. Mm -hmm. So we're just a peer-to-peer trading platform where there's it's just a forum to buy and sell for people and the, the trades are settled in a non-custodial way, whereas local Bitcoins has or had rather a different system and they operate under a different jurisdiction, obviously. So for now, at least, we don't face the same compliance costs. Now, that, that may change in the future, of course. And if that does change in the future, well, we'll pr- we're probably also going to have to shut down. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that happening. Fucking government, man. Can't even complicate Criminals. Um, so, what, so what was the difference then in, in, their, in their model of how they function? Because I thought it was similar. What, what was, what's the primary difference? There are some similarities. You guys are not, because you, know, you guys basically are just connecting the buyer and the seller. That's right. You're not performing any of the transactions. You're not a money service business. It's just, That's right. You're just connecting two parties that want to trade, and then they go off and do the trade on their own. That's right. Local Bitcoin, that, did it start as that and then evolve into... Something else? No, local bitcoins uh, actually does the the settling of the trades between the parties, okay. and that's the difference. Got it. And uh, I mean, that's the difference in in the general view of the question. But there's also the the difference of where you're incorporated and sure. what sort of laws are specific to your jurisdiction. And Finland is is uh, part of the rather more strict uh, jurisdictions when it comes to deeming a certain business as needing to do the compliance or not. Where are you guys incorporate? British Virgin Islands at the moment. Nice. At the moment. That thing could change any day. As oh, needed. of course. As needed. Of course. No, of course. It's, <laughs> navigating. it's, it's the nature of, of the business. Yeah, we have to stay nimble. Shit, man. Um, so wh- why didn't I mean, why do you think local Bitcoin didn't like try to pivot and avoid these regulation slowdowns? Or I guess they just got kind of caught up in their business and were unable to. Well, if I had to guess, 
and this is purely speculation because you would have to know the minds of the of the owners of the company to really answer that question. But what I'm guessing is they just didn't want to leave Finland. You know, there are two Finnish guys. Um, they grew up in Finland. They like to be in Finland probably. And they're like, yeah, let's do the business in Finland. And then when Finland started imposing the, the regulatory requirements upon them, well, I assume they had enough money at that point to not really care too much about that. So they're like, okay, sure, let's, you know, let's do it. We, we've already made uh, tens of millions of euros <laughs> running this platform for the first uh, five years of, of its operation uh, when they were virtually a monopoly on the market. So they probably didn't care that much. Uh, in terms of their personal profit motive mm-hmm. to maintain a level of um, uh, convenience that used to exist before the KYC was implemented. And, oh, another factor I forgot to mention uh, with local Bitcoins is, of course, the the fact that they've been bleeding clients to um, Paxful over the years. Because un- unlike Paxful, which continued to improve and innovate their platform, as time went on, local bitcoins didn't really do much. I mean, they like the the most that they did over the past couple of years was implement Telegram notifications, which was a feature that was pioneered by our platform. We were the first ones to do this, and then they implemented it after us a couple of years after we did it. Which feature? And, uh, Telegram notifications. It's when. Well, you know, the, the messaging app, Telegram, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, an account on the website. And let's say you're trading. You're a seller and, and you're not at the computer. You want to get notifications if somebody wants to open a trade with you, right? If somebody opened a trade with you. So before we had a mobile app, the way you would get that notification if you're on the go is by subscribing your Telegram account to a bot that sends you a message whenever you get a new trade request. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we have an app as well. So you get notifications that way as well. Very cool. A- and, um, oh, local Bitcoins actually also, I think, released an app um, not not long before they closed. So it seems that they, they did start to kind of innovate, uh, but um, I guess too little too late because by that point, Paxful did a redesign Paxful had their own app as well. Paxful w- was doing a relatively better job at marketing themselves. And Paxful has been around about as long as local Bitcoins. So it's a very natural sort of um, vector for clients to, to, who are uh, fed up with local Bitcoins to move to. You know, it's, it's a competitor that was basically waiting for, for the clients to, to bleed to them. And... I've also heard a lot of complaints about how local Bitcoins actually implemented the KYC in the sense of there was often a lot of trouble with verification. People would wait for months uh, to get verified. People would wait for months to get a, a response on their support ticket. So I, I don't know. It feels like, yeah, they've, they've, uh, I, I don't want to judge them because it's, it's very difficult to, manage this sort of business and it's very difficult to make the decision to close your business especially after being like the the OG you know the, I mean these guys are like the grandfathers of our sector it, mm-hmm. it felt like we lost an ancestor you know uh, so I don't really want to be too critical of them uh, I, I'll just say that they were 
they did they they failed to adapt uh too quickly or rather they adapted too slowly and uh i think that was the the main reason why they right. they shut down right so there's the speculation that it was because of whatever regulations is yeah is potentially true just indirectly right like so they it, oh yeah costly for them to to exist and to In, deal yes. with the regulations in that sense, uh, regulation can be blamed, yes. But that's not the sense that people right. put into the the theory. Uh, that's that's a different sense. Right. The, the, the suggestion was that, you know, governments basically forced them to shut down. Right? Yeah, exactly. Crazy, man. So, so I'll, um, you know, th- the thing, I guess my, my initial thinking when i saw as to why i thought it wasn't because of the bear market but now from what you're explaining makes a lot of sense was also because i felt like kind of the meme that was growing in bitcoin was the best way to obtain your monero was without kyc aml and to peer-to-peer and that local bitcoin was providing a means to do that potentially so that maybe they would be getting more you know more usage uh given that kind of growing meme among the Bitcoin. Right. What do you, what do you think? I mean, uh, do, do, do you, you, you sense what I'm saying? Like, so is, is, oh, like, yeah. is, is local picking up or Agoradesk picking up, you know, where they left off? Are they getting, cause it, I feel like that is, I mean, tell me what you think. Do you think, do you, do you agree? Like, is that kind of the, the atmosphere in Bitcoin? Yeah. You know, a lot of, obviously the, the vast majority of people get their, their Bitcoin via centralized exchanges, with you know connecting their bank account to it uh but i do feel like a lot of people are learning that the best way to obtain is to try to do it in a peer-to-peer fashion right so there's two parallel streams that's going on there's the um, there's the sort of mainstream and then there's the there's like the smart money and the rest of the people uh the mainstream so the mainstream in crypto at this point in terms of peer-to-peer trading um, is still kind of stuck in Bitcoin, probably because, and this is speculation, Bitcoin simply is a much more popular cryptocurrency. In fact, it's probably the most popular cryptocurrency. Sure, definitely. Not a lot of people know about Monero. Those that do know about Monero, they usually also know about local Monero Mm -hmm. because in the Monero space, you know, we've been around for a long time and people usually, you know, see us here and there and and mentioned and talked about sometimes. So the, the people who are aware of Monero are usually aware of local Monero. Whereas in Bitcoin, like let's say local Bitcoin closes down they usually aren't going to immediately think of Agrodesk or think of Monero and go to local Monero. Mm-hmm. Because usually if they thought of Monero, they'd probably not even be trading on local Bitcoins at that point. They'd probably already have moved either to local Monero or maybe to a centralized exchange that, that trades Monero. At the same time, if you're the kind of person that's into Bitcoin and you've traded on, on local Bitcoins before, you've probably heard of Paxful. Because again, Paxful has been uh, around about as long as local bitcoins has, and and all like if you Google uh, local bitcoins alternative, the first thing you're going to get is Paxful, and that's where that's where people are going to go. So it's 
you know, the question of peer-to-peer trading, obviously, yeah, with, with the latest news, with, uh, with all the scandals that happened with FTX, with Celsius, you know, people are, are really starting to be more conscious about the problems with maintaining a crypto economy that's dependent so much upon these massive cent- points of centralization. So people are moving to peer-to-peer. And that's a good thing. The market is moving to a more stable configuration, right? It's regulating itself into a more stable configuration. Obviously, centralized exchanges have their place. Um, but most people can probably do with peer-to-peer, you know, especially if they're not day traders, if they just want to use crypto as a medium of exchange or store of value throughout their life. Peer-to-peer is more than sufficient. And if you're traveling a lot, peer-to-peer is more than sufficient. In fact, peer-to-peer may be even preferable uh, because having the peer-to-peer option allows you to access payment methods locally in the community. And different communities might have different payment methods, right? Whereas a centralized exchange generally can only process a very small range of payment methods, such as a bank transfer. So definitely peer-to-peer should be getting more attention. And I think as crypto becomes more mainstream in terms of um, day-to-day usage, right? I mean, there's a lot of mainstream crypto adoption in the finance sector in the sense of people like to be trading it, right? Just as like a day trading type, type of activity. And there's a lot of adoption in terms of investment, right? Where you just hodl and forget. But if we're talking about just day-to-day usage, where you go to a cafe and, and you pay for your coffee, and then you go to the supermarket, and then you pay your utility bills, et cetera, et cetera, compared to the adoption that has happened in the financial market, it's, it's pretty small. Mm-hmm. So as, as that proportion of adoption increases, I think way more people are going to be starting to use P2P because it's just so much more convenient to use P2P. In, in that kind of a situation. And when they discover, if they discover Monero, I'm sure they'll be able to find local Monero as well. Whereas for Bitcoin, there's a lot of uh, pre-existing players that have dominated the space since the early days, such as Paxful, um, that perhaps they won't find out about Agrodesk. Mm-hmm. Um, they might find out about Agrodesk if, if the, once they log into Paxful, they see that they need to go through a bunch of KYC and they feel like they don't want to do that. Well, then they might start looking for alternatives to Paxful and then stumble upon Agrodesk. Yeah. But as, as you can see, it's, it's a more removed um, process. Uh, there's multiple steps to discovering Agrodesk under these conditions. So I think truly primarily um, the sort of person that would be more inclined to use P2P would probably be more inclined to use Monero as well, right? As, as you alluded to in your question. So I think it's, it's just a question of number one, adoption of, of crypto as a day-to-day payment method. And number two, a question of uh, the mainstream as opposed to just the smart money, realizing the advantages of Monero over Bitcoin. Hmm. What would you say? I mean, I, I do feel like there is a hesitation though among, you know, a normie, right? To to start using something like uh, a local Monero or Agoradesk or what was of local Bitcoin. I feel like they think. I feel like there's a more of a ba- there isn't more of a barrier entry, but there's this idea in people's minds that there is, as opposed to a centralized. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like 
it's easy to overcome that fear once you tried it for the first time. <laughs> then you see how easy it is. Right. But there, there's that barrier of entry, right? It's the yeah. One, first time, then it's like no brainer, right? Then it's like, why, why wasn't I using this all along? But I yeah. feel like there is that little. There is. There barrier, is. Right? Uh, honestly, uh, I, it's probably just a question of marketing to overcome that barrier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, when, when if when we have. Um, uh, large amounts of money to throw around for marketing, we might try to fix that problem. Or we might have like, you know, we used to have uh, back in the early days of, I mean, early, not early, I guess, back in 2017, 2018, um, there were these uh, Monero meetups that were organized all around the world, just by, you know, random people who wanted to organize them. And uh, we used to make posters uh, for all those Monero meetups, like uh, they would look like propaganda posters, you know, from, from the second world war. Uh, and they would have, uh, some local Monero branding on it just to sort of, uh, pique someone's interest to try and maybe give it a shot. And I feel like the, these sort of local meetups are, are probably a very good vector, uh, for number one, um, creating a, a peer to peer market that didn't exist before, right? such as a city that didn't used to have it or a region that didn't used to have it. And number two, you know, during that Monero meetup session, uh, people can actually show each other, oh, no, you know, don't be afraid of the, of, of the P2P market. It's very easy, you know, check it out, you know, and then show them. Because really that's the best type of marketing that there is, is, is when somebody that you trust or at least somebody that you don't distrust uh, shows you how it's done and that it works, and that it's 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 not a difficult experience, and then you can sort of start doing it yourself, right? And that's the best way to to learn something as well as if somebody actually shows you how to do it and walks you through it. So maybe we can start organizing more Monero meetups, and maybe we can make some some sort of a like a Monero meetup kit hmm. that you can sort of apply for uh, from local Monero. I like that. And then we sort of cover your expenses to a certain degree. And then in, in return, you have to like post all that stuff on social media and, uh, you know, explain to, to some people how to use local Monero and other people can of course have their own little incentive structures. You know, cake can have its own incentive structure and, um, Monarujo and, um, you know, all the other businesses that, that might be interested in this. I, I think this can be a good grassroots sort of movement. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, we, we do, you know, we do a meetup here in New York. We haven't done one in a while, though. Yeah, it's become like kind of a once every six months thing. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's I think that's a great idea. You know what the main problem with this idea is? Sorry for interrupting <laughs> yeah. uh, what you were about to say. I think the main problem with this idea is that the sort of people that would be into Monero are not the sort of people that would want to. <laughs> show their faces to each other you know I, i've struggled with that for quite some time you know, we've done, we've done monero meetups here in new york we've done you know throwing the monero conference right it's like it's a hard group to get together right? yeah i yeah. understand why i understand why yeah but i mean i i also you know i think that's I, you know i've said this before many times you know i think it's it's important that those that need to stay anonymous stay anonymous like such as yourself right uh, or, you know, the devs that are building, right. And, you know, there, there's security in that, right. We don't want people getting co-opted. Right. Um, but I also think for those that are just kind of users 
I think it's important, you know, I'm not saying they have to, but I don't think people should think there's anything wrong with going out there and being like, I, you know, I'm a Monero user. doesn't mean you have to tell everybody how much Monero you own, whether or not you own a dollar's worth or $10,000 worth. But it's also good to do that so that it doesn't become this thing that has, you know, basically a bad rap, right? Where it's like, why, 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 why market it as something that uh, is assumed to be, you know, illegal or immoral when it's when it's clearly not? You know? Yes, yes, you are. You are absolutely correct. And the thing is, like, the people that are not showing their face and, and not going to the meetups, they are completely on board with that and understand that but they still don't want to show their Yeah, face. yeah, yeah. No, I, get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Well, that's right, right? That's why I'm like the only, LA, you know, I'm the idiot out here in New York, like, Monero! <laughs> no, like, no, thank goodness. Thank doing. goodness there, there's people like you who, who are ready to show their faces and ready to, to yeah. be bold and brave about the fact that they own Monero. What is the local, I think I've asked you this last time, but, I, you know, I'll, Obviously, I love I love local Monero. You know, we were out there. We're always talking about it. I always tell people, but me personally, I don't use it just because number one, we we obtain Monero through our business, right? Right. Uh, and number two, if I want to get it, I have I already have my peer to peer connections. You know, like right. I have my my people, so I don't need to. You know, I, I go straight to those that I want to trade with and right. those trades. Um, but you know, in New York. Uh, what what is the current local Monero situation? You know, I always tell people, you know, how how they can go about trying to obtain Monero. What is how would you describe the legalities of using local Monero in New York? In New York specifically, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to comment. Um, and there is this bit license situation, right? So I'm not exactly clear uh, on that and. A lot of gray area. traders. Because, I yeah, mean, people aren't, they're not, you know, as long as my understanding and how I describe it to people, mm -hmm. chime in if you want or you don't have, uh, is that as long as people aren't doing it as a business, you know, and they're just doing it out of need, right? I have, I have Monero. I need to turn it into some cash. I'm not doing this as a business to make money off these trades. Uh, but once in a while, I exchange my Monero into cash. Then there's really nothing that can be said of that. Um, there, no law that I know of, uh, in, you know, in New York, where people can't, you know, change their Monero into dollars out of, out of need, as long as they're essentially not being a money transmitting business. They're not in the business of selling Monero. Right. Yeah. I I, I can't offer any legal advice. Certainly not in New York. Uh, so what you what you're saying sounds correct to me but i've also seen uh traders on the platform uh explicitly refusing to serve uh customers from new york so it's yeah as as you say it's 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 a bit of a gray area with new york specifically yeah right. and we did see that one issue i guess there's been multiple issues but with local bitcoin in florida is the one that i i recall uh where somebody was basically I, I don't remember what came of it but they were basically accused being you know needing a money um you know a money transmission license for their local bitcoin activity uh but yeah once again i think in that case it was because they were you know trying to run it as a business as opposed to just casually making peer-to-peer -peer trades 
Yeah, all I can say on that is uh, laws vary by jurisdiction, by state. So definitely, if you want to be clear, you have to ask a local lawyer, and that's the only way to do it, really. So what 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 would be your you know your quick elevator pitch? Somebody's on the fence. They're currently using a centralized exchange. Uh, they want to obtain Monero without KYC. What should they do on local Monero? What's the process like? Why why should they not be? You're like we're talking about this kind of initial onboarding friction that's there. What why why shouldn't they view it as differently from a centralized exchange? What what's the process? How is it oh. as easy as, if not easier than? Well, look, you you go on the website or you download the app uh, and you sign up, which requires just a username and a password. And by the way. Um, we are one of the only companies in the entire world that does not, I repeat, does not impose ridiculous password requirements on their users. You don't have to put a special character if you don't want to. <laughs> it doesn't have to contain a number and a letter and an uppercase letter and a lowercase letter and all that. You can put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight as your password. That's our only, actually, that's the only requirement. It has to be eight characters minimum. Sorry, uh, but apart, apart from that, any password goes. So, you know, you don't have to even think about, oh, am I going to have to whip out my password manager and generate one of those 72 character long passwords? To, uh, it's just so much friction. No, you just username, password. All right, you're on the website. Wonderful. Pick any trader that you want, any payment method that you want, click on the buy button or tap on the buy button if you're using an app. Uh, type in the amount of the trade. You know, read the terms, obviously. Then type in the amount of the trade. Press open trade. The seller will tell you exactly what you need to do to transfer the money to them. Then once that's done, let's say it's a cash app deal. You know, they, they give you the cash tag. You transfer the cash to the cash tag as you normally would. And then the seller sees that you sent the money and finalizes the trade, and you're done. That's it. You can be in and out in five minutes. Beautiful. So you need you need this clip on your <laughs> on your website, right? Like, um, yeah, it's as easy as that. That actually, I think we do have a a, a, a video explainer, uh, but I think it hasn't been updated. We need to update it. Yeah, yeah. And we have step by step guides, you know. But but nobody likes to read, uh, yeah. so. Like so you yeah, you don't do like creating a password, let alone right. Yeah, exactly. And and actually, we don't require an email either. You know, it's just a username and a password. And it's again, very, it's very nice. That's that. That's I, I'm the type. I'm very sensitive to friction. I'm like ah, just I'm, I'm like the ultimate lazy digital person. I'm like ah. No, yeah. me too. I feel the same way. Any any extra field that I need to fill in, like it it, like, it ticks I'm, me off immediately. <laughs> you know. If if a website starts being hissy about my password being too insecure, like like I'm an adult, I can handle my own you know security model. Thank you very much. No, but yeah, so so we're we're doing it as, as quick and easy as we can. What is the most popular payment method that's that people are using? Oh, it depends on the region, I guess. Um, Do you have any metrics on that at all? I don't have the metrics specifically. I can say just basically by looking at at the. Um, uh, if, if you open the website and you um, click on the payment methods uh, button, the first 10 payment methods that you see 
in a given region are the most popular payment methods mm-hmm. in a given region. So if, just off the top of my head, if it's for the United States, I would assume it, it would be Cash App and PayPal and probably um, crypto swaps. Oh, you know, a lot of people, they have no idea that you can actually swap crypto to crypto on local Monero and AgroDesk. So mm-hmm. if you have if you have Monero and you want to exchange it to Bitcoin or you have Monero and you want to go to USDC or actually basically any coin you can think of, um, you can totally do that. And it's it's fast, it's easy, just like the Cash App trade that I described. And you would often actually get rates that are even better uh, than you get on like the instant exchanger websites. So you have like websites like Change Now or or Fixed Float or uh, not Shapeshift, Sideshift, uh, and that stuff like that. And you know they they would give you like a one point six percent commission on on the trade. And then you can often find offers on local Monero that's that's like one point two percent, maybe even one percent. And people don't know that. People think that local Monero is just for you know cash to or or online payment methods like Cash App. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's crypto to crypto as well, and it's just as fast and easy, and it's more private, and uh, certainly more private than a centralized exchange, but even more private than than uh, stuff like Change Now because Change Now they 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 can collect KYC occasionally from people, yes. you know if. If they if they think that a transaction is is suspicious for some reason, mm-hmm. they 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 do have the uh, uh, the right to require KYC at, at any point. Mm-hmm. Whereas sellers on on Loke Monero generally they they I've never heard of any seller doing shotgun KYC on on the platform. So basically, never happens as far as I know. Well, do some of them announce ahead of time if they're collecting KYC? Oh yeah, yeah. The, actually if uh if kyc is going to be part of the trade then the seller must and will mm-hmm. uh put that uh very clearly in their terms of trade mm-hmm. and and we we have a, a, a not a zero tolerance but like a minus 5000 tolerance of of sellers that do shotgun kyc so if if anyone ever does shotgun kyc shotgun kyc meaning uh you take someone's money first and okay. then you require KYC. Yeah. That's what right. we call shotgun KYC. Um, yeah. Sh- shotgun KYC is, you know, we give you a very stern warning. Uh, and, and if you do that again, we're going to ban you from the platform if you ever do that. So a seller has to be clear that they do require KYC in their terms. We, we allow sellers to require KYC obviously mm-hmm. because sellers have their own risks that they need to th- be thinking of and their own requirements. So, any individual seller may impose KYC if they wish to, but they have to be clear about it in the terms. Yeah, and the terms of trade, just generally, are the contract between the buyer and the seller. And we're big believers in the free market, so we allow traders generally to put whatever terms they wish into the terms of trade. If if both parties agree, well, then it's a legit contract, right? So. That's that's how we adjudicate disputes. The the terms of trade is basically the the main sort of document that we use to adjudicate any kind of dispute between a buyer and a seller. Which in of themselves, the the disputes are pretty rare. I'd say about I don't know over ninety nine percent of trades go through without any kind of dispute. 
I'm looking at the list. Yeah, actually, cash by mail is the top choice in the U.S., which uh, initially I was like, well, that that's interesting. That's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more, I feel like a little bit more of a barrier with that. But obviously, if, if you want, it's the, the most anonymous way, right? To you know, I think the main reason cash by mail is so attractive to a lot of people is not that it's anonymous necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's because it's irreversible. So a lot of the um, payment methods that are, are used, like Cash App or PayPal or bank transfers, uh, sellers can very often get into a situation where the buyer reverses the payment after the trade is finalized. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's it, it happens very often to sellers, especially in experienced sellers who don't sort of screen their buyers to try to avoid that kind of a situation. So having an irreversible payment method like cash by mail. Uh, like cash deposits uh, or cash at ATM or um, uh, cryptocurrency is a very popular payment method also because it is irreversible. So irreversibility really is, is I think, the main reason why some subset of payment methods are more popular than others. That makes sense. So what, what does happen in that instance where, you know, somebody goes and they pay with, uh, I don't know, cash app. I don't know if, if you could reverse that, I guess. Um, or some, one of these ones where it's easier to kind of roll back your, your payment. What does happen in that scenario to the seller? So it depends on the payment method and it depends on the region. So some, let's say it's a bank transfer and, uh, the seller receives a bank transfer, then finalizes the trade. The buyer gets their Monero, you know, leaves. And then a couple of days later, the seller notices that the, the charge, uh, the transfer is being reversed. Uh, generally, step one would be for the seller to, to try and talk with the financial institution uh, that is responsible for maintaining their account. So, in, in the case of a bank transfer, it's the bank that received the transfer. Now, sometimes banks are cooperative. Sometimes they're not that cooperative. So there are a lot of banks that if you explain to them what happened, if you say, okay, we had a trade on local Monero, you know, the, this is the payment that the buyer provided and I provided him with the coins. So it's, you know, it's, a, it's just a, a normal deal. And then they show the receipt from local Monero, you you can download like a PDF from local Monero Mm -hmm. that shows the trade and the trade information and all that stuff. And you show that to the bank. Sometimes I'd say about 50% of the time, uh, but this is just off the top of my head. It it might be actually much better than 50%, might be much worse too. Um, Sometimes the bank will say, yeah, okay, that's legit. No problem. You know, we're going to get you the money back. And, and then the seller gets to keep the money mm-hmm. and it's everything's okay. Other cases where the bank is not cooperative, even if you show them the trade receipt, even if um, the website, uh, local, even if local Monero, you know, writes an email to the bank confirming the story of the seller saying, yes, this is what happened. This is a legit trade that happened between these two people. We can confirm that there's no funny business involved. And the only funny business that's involved is the buyer reversing the payment. And then the bank can still be uncooperative. Well, in that case, unfortunately, assuming that the buyer is, is gone and unreachable, because, you know, sometimes 
there can be cases where the buyer's bank, for some reason, reversed the transfer. Maybe it deemed the transfer to be unusual and high risk, and there was some kind of automatic system that that reversed the transfer for the for the buyer's own protection. That can also happen, and in those cases, usually the buyer will show up and and apologize, you know, and and help resolve the situation. But you know, other cases where the the buyer was actually malicious or it was something like a stolen bank account or whatever other fraud that may have happened and and the seller's bank is not cooperative well unfortunately in that case there's there's nothing really that we can do for the seller so the seller is left holding the bag in that situation right it's at their own risk it is and that's why we always warn our sellers to you know if you're using reversible payment methods you have to understand that it's very high risk and if your bank or or if PayPal or if you know whatever you're you're using if the administration is uncooperative you you actually you're risking holding the bag mm-hmm. so you might have to do some sort of screening of your buyers whether that involves full KYC or that involves um you know asking them to send you a, a text uh, from the phone number that is connected to a PayPal account or a Cash App account, because a lot of um, a lot of these sort of payment systems, you have a phone number that's associated with the account. So maybe you don't have to do full KYC ID verification, but simply sort of sending a text message from the from the phone number that's connected to the account is enough to verify mm-hmm. to a certain extent that this isn't some kind of stolen bank account that's being used or something. And, you know, every, every seller has to approach this with their own personal security model and, and, and risk assessment, risk tolerance. And that's basically how the market operates. It's, it's, it's a free market in that sense. There's no like platform enforced KYC ID verification system. Every seller has to decide for themselves what sort of risks they're willing to take on. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. And that's why we're seeing such a large uh, cash as being the largest, perhaps, uh, request for the sellers. Uh, that's right. The sellers. That's risk. That's right. It's, it's, it's the safest way for the seller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's no reversibility on that. Now, from the buyer, the buyer's perspective, uh, they, there are protections there, right? Because there you have seller has to put up a bond that's right yes the 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 buyers are are very safe in in like there's there's basically no way for the sellers to scam them and the only way i guess um actually no i'm I'm thinking of early finalization which is again uh, a scam that that would be used against the seller not the buyer uh so yeah buyers are very safe like there's basically no way for them Oh, actually, there's one way. If, if, if they cancel the trade uh, after paying, right, because that releases the bond, right? So you can't cancel the trade if you've already paid. If you've already paid, you have to mark the trade as paid. And if the trade is marked as paid, then the seller cannot cancel the trade. Only you, the buyer, can cancel the trade. So just make sure that you don't cancel the trade after you've made the payment to the seller, and you'll be safe. Oh, so like in the scenario where the buyer accidentally cancels the trade? Yeah, the, there are they, cases. They put cash in the mail, they send the cash, cash is yeah. received, and then they, they, they hit cancel? 
Uh, not not like that usually, but uh, let's say the scenario. No, like a more instant payment method, such as Cash App, for example. Okay. Um, The um, there there is a certain uh, timer that initiates when a trade is opened. Uh, That timer is for sixty minutes. So after a trade is opened, uh, the seller cannot cancel the trade for sixty minutes. And if, let's say, you send a payment and you didn't push the I have paid button, there is a special button called I have paid that the buyer sees, and they need to press that button because if they don't press that button after they paid, then the seller will be able to cancel the trade after 60 minutes. Got it. So there have been cases where sellers canceled trades after buyers made the payment, but they haven't pushed the I have paid button. Got it. Yeah. And usually it's it's just accidental because sellers might have a lot of trades that they need to process. So they just look at the status of the trade and they see that it's not paid. Well, it's I mean, it's marked as not paid, right? Where, whereas it actually might have been paid already. And the seller just cancels the trade without looking at the at the bank account balance to confirm that that they've been paid because they would assume that the buyer would have pushed the button if they did make the payment. But usually these sorts of cases are resolved by our staff uh, afterwards. It's 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 a bit of a headache, but right, you know, the seller at that point would be like, oh, okay, well, I did receive the money, so that's right. Else in the transaction because they don't want to get a bad review. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to be like a delayed sort of uh, experience for you if, if you do end up in that situation, because we're going to have to contact the seller and then and the buyer, and then we're going to have to you know make sure that everything's okay. Sometimes they resolve it between themselves just in the trade chat of the canceled trade. But uh, yeah, other times the, the buyer does contact staff. Um, there's also cases where the seller, you know, might pull a scam in the sense of they, they might tell the buyer to cancel. Like, uh, hey, dude, I know you sent the payment, but like, can you cancel? And then, you know, we can reopen this trade for a better, I'll give you a better rate or something like that. And then, but you just have to cancel this trade, right? I can't, you can't, I can't give you a better rate if you don't cancel this trade. Uh, This scam is extremely rare, but I've seen it. Uh, Again, as long as you don't cancel after making the payment, you're going to be fine. You hear that, people? If you're if you're buying, don't li- don't listen to your seller if he tells you to cancel. Do not cancel. If, if you made the payment, yeah, press the "I have paid" button and do not cancel, and, <laughs> unless and until you get your money back. If the if the trade uh, for some reason is not being followed through, and then what are the mechanics of the bond? So if I'm a seller, so yeah. somebody's buying whatever two hundred dollars worth of uh, Monero off of me, I have to put up a two hundred dollar bond that's correct in what form in in monero, monero. okay yeah. but do you accept other forms or obviously just no monero. yeah just the monero and so it's not that me as a seller i'm locking up 200 dollars. it's set the bond is separate right because i guess you guys as local monero it doesn't you're not releasing that payment to that's right right because you don't want to be held accountable as that's correct a money transmitter i guess at that point right that's that correct reasoning yes so it's that they lock, they put, they place a bond. Uh, they then send once the 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 deal is made. They, as an individual, as a seller, send the money directly to the buyer. Send the Monero directly to the buyer, 
and then you as local Monero, you give the bond back. That is correct. Okay. Cool. All right. I, I know we've been through these things in the past. But I, think, I think it's good to go over too for those that are tuning. I know people are tuning in with with you know their ears up. You know, especially those that are like on the fence about getting into you know trying to obtain Monero peer to peer. I think that, I think this was like a very good chat where it will it will help people you know take the leap. Yeah, and if if people have any questions, we're very responsive like everywhere. Um, but we're most responsive on Telegram and Matrix. Uh, back back in the olden days, I would uh, announce on Monero Talk, uh, oh, you know, talk to us on Telegram, Telegram. But now Matrix is all the rage. Mm-hmm. So uh, people should be using Matrix because it, it is end-to-end encrypted and decentralized, unlike, um, unlike Telegram. Uh, Telegram can be encrypted, but it's not encrypted by default. And there's no encryption in group chats. It's only in, in the um, direct messages. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you should be using Matrix. Yeah, totally. I mean, we use it just because we use it as a group, right? So it's already it's right. like a public domain, right? We, you know, we have 500 people, 600 in a room. So it's like... You're, you you're know that you can bridge? There, right? Yeah, no, we are. We're bridged to Matrix. We are. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, yeah, for, for peer to, you know, individuals talking, uh, yeah, people should be using Matrix over Telegram for sure. Even the secret chats, right? There's there's theory out there that the secret tracks, chats may not be all that secret as well. Oh, really? I, I mean, I've, I've, I've yeah. read criticisms that they use non-standard encryption algorithms for it, but I've never seen an actual uh, demonstrated uh, vulnerability in those encryption uh, algorithms. I heard surveillance report talking about it. There's, there's rumor, you know, it's just rumors. It could just be FUD. Um, I saw you guys were advertising on Reddit. That's cool. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. On the uh, cryptocurrency Reddit forum, which has like 6 million people, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So is that something new that people have just started advertising there? Cause I mean, it seems like a, the, the perfect, the perfect idea, the perfect venue. for. for it is a new out. thing. It's, and they actually, they don't call it uh they don't really call it advertising. I mean, the the moderators uh, of the subreddit who I talked to about this, they, they, they see this like as a moon burning uh, enterprise. Like they have moons. I'm, I'm still not fully up to speed on what <laughs> all that is, but... Uh, I was just learning about it myself yesterday when I saw <laughs> them up there. I'm like, oh, moon, what the fuck? Is yeah, moon? what's a moon? But, but a moon apparently is uh, some... Um, coin that they uh, emit to people who comment on the subreddit or something like that. And apparently you're, you're also supposed to, like we also did an AMA on the subreddit at the same time. And the, we, we, we've heard some people tell us that the, the moons that they needed to pay moons to ask a question in the AMA or something. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, Again, I have no, <laughs> no idea what they're. I mean, so, sounds uh, sounds like a, yeah, a big uh, enterprise with all these moons, and there's a lot of like coin gecko involvement in moons, as far as I understand. So I think coin gecko is somehow also involved with that. That's probably why they had their uh, their banner up uh, before the before hours. Are you seeing some good conversions there? Like people find going coming into local Monero from the banner. Do you, or I guess maybe you wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah, the thing is, like, we didn't see any direct measurable increase in 
conversions or users from that banner. I have to be honest. But at the same time, you need to be objective in measuring this because one might be exposed to the banner today, but only use the platform in a month. And you have no way of sort of connecting the initial exposure from the banner to the eventual use of the platform a month later. Whereas, you know, if they hadn't seen that banner, they wouldn't know about Agrodesk and they wouldn't go there, right? Yeah, so definitely, these, definitely. yeah. Uh, There is, a, I think, a quote from someone that uh, if, if you only advertise once, you're throwing money away because you need to advertise like, like on the first time, nobody's going to remember it. The second time, somebody's going to remember it. The third time, you know, people are going to ask their wife. The fourth time, there's some kind of like yes. limerick associated with it. Uh, and you need like seven exposures or something before people actually respond to the advertisement. No, that's that's cool. We might look into that for perhaps maybe for Monerotopia. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What um, so what do you see as being the future of local? I mean, obviously, you guys, you guys are, you know, focused on doing what you do best. Uh, what do you see as areas of, of growth or novel, like new things you may add or do? Is there anything, you have anything up your, up your sleeve? We always have something up our sleeve uh, and we never reveal it ahead of time. <laughs> I'm sorry, Doug. <laughs> All right. I tried, I tried. How about like, um, and, you know, obviously there's multi multi cryptos that you could obtain on there, right? Um, how about like things like using um, uh, gold backs to purchase your Monero instead of like, are those options that are up? I, I guess anybody could do whatever they want. But yeah, gold backs are, are already available on okay. uh, on local Monero. And there's actually been recently a thread on the Monero subreddit uh, advertising uh, silver uh, in exchange for Monero. I don't know if you've seen that thread or not. No, I haven't. Yeah, and and he has a it got very it got a lot of upvotes, and uh, he has uh, the guy that's that's doing that. He has actually an ad up on local Monero where he exchanges uh, silver ounces for Monero, and okay. it's it's uh, it's listed under cash by mail, even though it's not actually cash but silver. So right, so silver by mail because you, you haven't made another category or something. Yeah, we don't have we don't have a silver by mail uh, <laughs> category. You gotta add it, man. You gotta, yeah. you gotta add these. Things. No, but I mean, we have we have silver as a currency on on the platform, so you can okay. select silver, and then you can select uh, any payment method as as the payment method, and then you'll okay. see all the offers for silver. So obviously, if it's a silver, uh, if this currency is silver, and the the method is cash by mail. The implication is that you put the silver in, in the mail. <laughs> you got to dumb these things down for us, man. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, why aren't I getting my silver through the internet? Oh, wait. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So where are you seeing? Do you have any, like, metrics on, you know, where, where you see the most usage? Like, countries, regions? It's very globally evenly distributed. Uh, I mean, apart from, like, undeveloped regions of the earth. Like if you talk about developed economies, it's very evenly distributed. Okay. Um, yeah. No. That, that those are my questions, Matt. Th thank you so much, as always. I think this this was a good one. <laughs> this was very informative. Can you can you stick around and a answer a few questions? I I'd love to. I love answering questions. 
Awesome, guys. So we're going to do uh, question time in the spaces. If you guys have questions, now the t- now is the time to raise your hand. We'll make our way to the spaces. Uh, Alex, anything you want to close out with over here in the interview portion of this sh- show? Um, anything uh, you want to get out there? Uh, don't buy Monero. <laughs> but if you do... do but if you do, <laughs> don't buy it on local Monero, especially. <laughs> All right, Alex. Thank you so much, man. Uh, A pleasure. Bye. And thank you for uh, participating in Monerotopia. I appreciate that. In the Adoption Alley section, we'll, we'll be showcasing you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I appreciate that, though. A pleasure. Um, yeah, so let, let's move over. So you could, uh, you know, just move over to your phone. You could, you know, shut this down, walk away from this and uh, to the spaces. Be over there. Okay, got it. All right. All right, who we got? We got a uh, tuxedo. Awesome. And then where's local? Local uh, hasn't popped in. I want a message. Hopefully he'll jump in here. Tuxedo, what's going on? Hey, how are you? I'm right. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Uh, hopefully, local will come in here so we can answer questions. Yeah, I did a couple questions for him. Let's give him a second. Uh, anybody else that wants to just kind of request to speak now, so we could be ready for him. What What did you think of the convo? Were you listening in, Tuxedo? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I've been listening. All right, we got uh, we got Lip. Up oh, here he is. Here's local. Local, I'm going to invite you. To- hopefully, that works. Or local request, you can. Oh, okay. There you go. You're good. All right. So Tuxedo, what's uh, what's your question? Hey, so I I don't use Venmo or Cash App. I have primarily uh, used Kraken over the past year to obtain my Monero because that's like one of the only centralized exchanges in the U.S. you can actually buy Monero at, and the fees are pretty low. But what would be the main privacy advantage of using Cash App and Venmo? I'm assuming the KYC is like way lower. Like you don't have to send a picture, a selfie with your ID or give your social security number, all that stuff. But I'm assuming you still need to connect a um, a bank account, a U.S. bank account, and maybe give them your phone number and stuff like that. Yeah, local can chime in, but I, I believe it's just that people don't, you know, they don't know that you're, you're purchasing Monero, right? Some Cash App on Monero. Cash App, you made a purchase, $200, use that for the purposes of buying Monero. But go ahead, local, not touching it. No, I, I think actually that's a, a very good answer, and, and I would uh, add on that. Am I audible? Is everything uh, working correctly? I haven't used Paces before. Smooth as always. <laughs> okay. So uh, what was I saying? Oh, right. Basically, yeah, number one, Cash App doesn't know that you're buying crypto. Uh, number two... If you're buying on Kraken, right, and you're submitting all your documents and everything, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be Kraken. It can be any other centralized exchange. That centralized exchange is a nexus for a lot of valuable information for hackers to steal and disseminate in the dark web. And then some people might take those databases of information and use it for blackmail, extortion, swatting, right? Like, if you know where a person lives, and a lot of these services, they do require that you submit an address proof. So if you if they know what you look like, because there's ID pictures, they know your name, they know your address, right? And they know that you have a certain balance on a centralized exchange. I mean, of course, whether they know that or not depends on how severe the data breach was on the centralized exchange. But, you know, assuming worst case scenario and the entire database is leaked and they know how much you've been trading, right? So they can pick out 
people that seem to have the most in crypto, and especially crypto that is untraceable, right? <laughs> they might want to target you for extortion, blackmail, etc. Whereas if you're doing it P2P, you know, even if you're using Cash App, which obviously you require to submit your information in some degree to Cash App. With Cash App, the only person that's exposed to the fact that you're buying crypto is the seller, essentially. So unless that seller is basically like a dedicated uh, darknet guy who's fishing for information, which is highly unlikely to have much better ways of getting information, then you're, you're safe from that scenario. And if you switch from using Cash App to something that is even more untraceable, say cash by mail, for example, or cash at ATM or cash, cash deposit, well, then even, even the Cash App uh, organization vector is completely excluded from this whole chain. So that would be my answer. Okay, okay. I, uh, I see. I'm, I'm assuming in this case, what would make the transaction like anonymous to the fact that you're buying Monero, they would probably give you some kind of code for the invoice, like I'm paying for blah, 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 whatever, but not actually paying for Monero. Yeah, generally speaking, you don't even really need to put any reference because the seller is aware that you're about to pay a certain amount to his account. So it can be just a, a silent transfer in that sense. Okay. That's really cool. Thanks. I guess the only the only downside to that I've noticed is that the, the fee seems to be pretty high for using the Cash App or like Venmo, but I'm assuming that's based on what you said earlier where it's very easy for them to get scammed because it's super easy as a buyer to like reverse the transaction with like any of these services. That is exactly correct. You you, you have very good insight into this. Yes, the the sellers need to cover their risks and their risks are significant so they are forced in a sense to charge higher fees to compensate for some of that risk nice cool well thank you i appreciate it Fantastic my pleasure question and great answer and that tuxedo hope to see you down at monerotopia um lip go ahead man hey how you doing all right so my question was how do you feel about paper curiosity opposed to cash comparing the two on uh, privacy well, uh, PayPal is certainly way worse when it comes to dealing with reversals because they pretty much always side with the buyer. Uh, but in terms of privacy, I don't really have an opinion, to be honest. I'm not sure that there's any big privacy advantage, one versus the other. All right, that was very insightful, but I was curious on one versus so thanks. For My pleasure. Thank you, Lip, as always, participating. Uh, anybody else have a question? Anybody else? Don't be shy. Request to speak. All right. If no, if no more, I mean, I, I think we covered a lot. Alex, thanks for jumping in here and asking a few follow-up questions. My pleasure. And uh, my pleasure. Yeah, just quick, quick shill, guys. Monerotopia. I'll, I'll link those of you that don't know it. Uh, is happening in Mexico City in May. Monerotopia.com. Um, yeah, please come down. We're gonna have t tons of speakers, two days of talks, and plus an, a welcome party on the fifth on Cinco de Mayo. It's not gonna be Day Mayo that uh, don't align with <laughs> with uh, celebrating Cinco de Mayo. It just happens to be on so be festive celebrations that take place on Cinco de Mayo, and then two days of talks. First day focused primarily Monero. We have a bunch of devs coming down. It's fantastic. And second day we have a lot of different privacy tech project and privacy presenting. 
uh, and then other other projects that are helping grow Monero adoption. Uh, talks on agorism, a big part of the Monerotopia is growing Monero, uh, actual growing Monero, actually talking about things like using local Monero to your Monero the most ideal way possible without KYC. Uh, and talks on you know how to actually live off of spend Monero, a parallel economy outside of state control. So anybody that's interested, it's Monerotopia.com. Check it out. You can email us if you have any questions, participate in their way as being an attendee. Monerotopia at ProtonMail. All right, guys, we do these talks every again. Alex, hey, Doug. Go ahead, man. Doug, 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 can I ask you a question? Is that allowed? I, 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 <laughs> Are you going to run for Congress again? Uh, yeah, that's a tough question. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably it's possible. If, but it was a great experience. I just feel like... I'm, I'm better off in trying to build uh, unstoppable cash, you know, going out of Congress with the, with the same end goal. Uh, I feel like you can hear, um, but it's, it's a possibility. What do you think? Matt? What do you think? I should? You know, it's very hard because on the one hand, uh, the kind of person that you are, you are not going to jive well with Congress. Right. But then on the other hand, we're never going to have people like you in Congress if people like you never go to Congress. So it's a catch-22. It's, 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 yeah. I, I can't obviously ask you to sacrifice your soul to the devil for this. I tried. I tried to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I saw how the sausage, it's very difficult to stay true to your morals. You are as a person, uh, as, as you go through these process, uh, it's, it's very difficult. Um, you know, because you're, you're up against powerful that are trying to in different ways. Um, I, I, I did, I have connectionally where I live, so I was utilized those for purposes of launching my campaign, but you know, I did became, that was really the most part for me was dealing with the parties themselves and the group, the powerful that have in those areas. And at the end of the day, that's what politics. So it becomes very difficult. You find your negotiate, uh, your morals, you can uh, align. It becomes very difficult. So. Uh, if I did do it again, I would try to do more pure form than we tried them up. But I think to do that, uh, you know, I would need Monero to be a thousand dollars a coin, and then I, I feel like I would, I would, I would, ha- I would have, I would have that that strength, that fuck you, then uh, you know, really to be my own, uh, not not uh, be uh, open to persuasion. Do you think you'd still be forced to run uh, as a Republican in that sense, or would you be able to compete as a Libertarian or an Independent? Um, I would. I don't. I, I don't want to say because Monero isn't a thousand dollars a coin yet. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm still in this world. Um, you know, so I, I have to be careful to say. But I guess you could probably get to what okay. I'm alluding to. I would uh, try to do. I could be uh, not be by anyone. Nice. That, that answers my question. And I like the, the fact that you did it the first time, honestly, you're, you're really a hero for that. And, and you, you've, I, I think you've done a great job and I, you know, thank you so much for trying at least, you know, and I can't, I can't blame you at all for, for not wanting to, to do it again. It's totally understandable. Thank you, man. Thank you. I don't think we realize in the Monero community, you know, I ran in a primary democratic district and we got 45% of the vote, uh, which is historic. Um, a Republican in that district. And now this year, a Republican won that district for the first time in, you know, many, many years. 
And the woman that I ran against, Kathleen Rice, didn't run again, the incumbent. So I like to believe the run again we kind of put some kinks in her armor. Uh, I get the strategic thing for to have done would keep on running for all those. I, I kind of stopped at the finish line and didn't keep following through. But appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll wrap it up here. Cheers, everybody. Uh, next week. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to MoneroTalk.live to subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.